and you can review how you're doing on your New Year's resolutions, okay? Uh, we'll just ask some questions, probe a little bit to see how you're doing, and uh, see if you're passing the test or not in uh, your resolutions that you made in January. Yeah, Luke's going first, nice. Some of you are going, that are guests are like, man, what is this church? Some of you are going, where is the exit? I'm out of here. Some of you might be like, hey, I'm the 8% that does it, so uh, I'll go share how I'm doing. Well, maybe some of you are saying, you know, this is why I don't make New Year's resolutions, so I don't have to act like I fail uh, and uh, tell everyone. Well, I don't know about you. Maybe you keep resolutions. Maybe you don't. Maybe you make them. Uh, but some of the resolutions that usually come out during the year, their surveys, usually come on better friendships, managing their money better, better health. Being a better person is one that really ranks really high, how ambiguous that is. But I want to be a better person. Well, I'm not going to um, disparage anyone today and... Uh, let them have public ridicule of coming up here and saying how they might have failed in their resolutions or embarrass you by coming up. But I want to give you the good news that I am going to give you today ways that you can keep your resolutions. Ways that you can have self-improvement. Okay, And it's not going to just be make your goals attainable. It's not going to be just hire a life coach. It's not going to be just tell your spouse uh, don't, I mean, don't tell your spouse what your goals are. It's none of that kind of uh, teaching. Instead, I think the way that we can keep our resolutions, the ways that we can keep this idea of being someone that has values or a better person is going to be found in a simple fruit. And the fruit is kiwi. Okay, that's what I'm going to find today. Kiwi is the answer to resolutions. Okay. Well, it's not really a joke because it's going to be in the acronym today for the, the things that we're going to go through. It's cute, yes. But there will be an acronym we go through, Kiwi. Um, how do you become a virtuous person? How do you keep that virtuous life? What does it look like? What steps do I take to live that virtuous life? And it's going to be found in Kiwi. Okay? Well, let's read together the scripture from Galatians chapter 5. We're going to look at verses 16 through 24. I'm actually going to read verse 25 also this morning. It's printed in your worship guide. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other. To keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual morality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. 
the gospel of the Lord. Well, if you're just joining us, we're going through the book of Galatians. We'll be ending it at the end of May, and then we'll be starting the book of Job this summer. But Galatians, what we're in right now, is a book about some conflict. Some conflict in what is today southern Turkey, in what's called the Galatian region. And there are many churches there that Paul had come and started and planted churches there. And he has left. And in the time that he's left, there's been some problems. And the problems are that these groups from outside are coming into these new churches and saying, you know, to really be a Christian, you need to do this. You need to do that. They say, you need to be circumcised to be a Christian. You need to obey the moral law of, of the Ten Commandments to be a Christian. So it's Christ, yes, But it's Christ plus these things, circumcision or the law. Now, Paul is trying to kind of push back against this strongly, as we've seen earlier, and saying that that is actually no gospel at all. That is not the Christian message. And he actually pushes back now here at the latter parts of the book of Galatians that the law is not what justifies you. And in fact, it's not even what sanctifies you. The law is important, yes, but it's not what produces real transformational change within people. So he says, yeah, the law might be good in pointing out what is wrong in your life or can be a guide, but it can't free us from the power of sin. What's reserved to do that is the power of the Spirit. And the Spirit is received by faith, not by obeying the law, not by circumcision, The Holy Spirit is received by anyone who puts their faith in Jesus Christ. When they are unified with Christ, the Holy Spirit comes and lives within them to change them. Now, here is the first part of Kiwi. Okay, here we go. The K of the Kiwi, if everyone's writing things down. The K is that the first key to living the virtuous life is knowing the deeper law. Knowing the deeper law. You see that verse 18 says, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And it says, you know, if you abide by the Spirit, that is what can free you from enslavement. Free you from these vices that he lists and we talked about quite extensively last week. The Spirit frees us from enslavement. Frees us from sin. And now, this week, we're going to look at the Spirit frees us to something. It frees us to these fruits, fruit of the Spirit. These values that he lists right here in verse 22 and 23. So the key is, again, verse 23, it says, It's against such things there is no law. Paul saying freedom to something is not by the law, but instead by the Spirit. Well, I've decided maybe uh, this next week I'm going to have Molly enforce the fellowship break. Okay, that's what I've decided. So Molly is going to now put some laws in place to enforce the fellowship break that we're all back here on time. And so the law that Molly has decided to set is that if you do not come in back on time, you will no longer get treats next week. Now, Andrew, of course, um, is grumbling about this. Okay, let's say next week. He comes back on time now. 
But he's grumbling that he, was, he had to leave a conversation early. He's angry because of that. He, he really desired to stay around the coffee longer so he could get another cup. Or get one of those fantastic treats. Even though he's now back in his seat, in his heart, he's still angry. In his heart, he's still desiring. As much as Molly puts this law in place, it might deal with the outside behaviors, but it's not dealing with the problem in the heart. See, the spirit is able to go where the law can't. The Spirit is able to form something in us of godliness. Law can't just make Andrew go, man, I I am happy about coming back and singing this song. I'm happy that I can come back even though my treat is less and I had to leave that conversation. Law can't do that. But the goal in the Spirit is that it would create an inward change, a transformation. I applied to this kind of all-American, look-good camp where it takes upstanding young college students to work at this camp. And uh, uh, they asked in the interview process uh, to write my thoughts on each one of these vices. And so they had smoking and drunkenness and premarital sex. They had all these one-word things. And then next to them, I had to give a one-word answer of what I thought of each of these vices. And uh, so, next to smoking, I put peace. Next to drunkenness, I put joy. And next to premarital sex, I put love. Uh, My interviewer was this African-American dude that played D1 football at SMU. Big guy. And and I hear him like an 18-year-old college student. And he says, son, what what, what are you thinking here? Why, why did you write these things? And I, I, I kind of try to say, it's not that I don't think those things are unwise. Um, not, that I, not that all of them are sins, but some of them are sins. But I, I think the answer to those issues is not just saying sin, sin, sin. But instead, the answer is the fruit of the Spirit. Why do I think some people maybe smoke habitually? Not that there's anything wrong with smoking. I smoke occasionally. Girls, yes, a cigar once in a while. So, um, but I think it's because people desire peace. Why is it people that want to get drunk? I don't know all the reasons why, but I think they're looking for joy. Something that the Spirit gives. Premarital sex. What can answer that? A desire for love. Something that the Spirit gives. You see, the Spirit frees us not just from things, it frees us to things. It gives us something that those things cannot give. Peace and love and joy. It gives us a deeper thing that any of those vices cannot fulfill. And I think really, Paul is answering against these vices when he says it. He says self-control that answers against drunkenness. He says, gentleness, that answers against dissensions. He's answering this vice list with what the spiritual fruit is. And maybe if the spirit's working in Andrew's heart, as he uh, thinks about the fellowship break, he says, you know what? The spirit can give me love. That I don't need to have this five minutes more conversation with someone to feel fulfilled 
that I can come and rejoice in who God is. Or I don't need this extra coffee um, to be okay that God has given me self-control to just hold it down to one cup. I don't know what it would be. But the thing is, if the Spirit is working, it will transform us more than the law can. I gave silly examples, but maybe I'll give a more serious one. How about money? (laughs) The law says you need to give. You need to be able to sacrifice for others. You need to tithe or whatever it might be. The truth is, if a tithe is just out of the law and out of obligation, that is not good. But the thing is, the Spirit is working. We realize, you know what? Money does not give me peace. Material possessions don't give me peace. Instead, the Spirit of God can give me peace. And when that does, I can give generously. And I can give so much to others, knowing that what really gives me peace is God. You see how the Spirit works and transforms deeper than the law can. K of Kiwi, knowing a deeper law. One from the Spirit. Well, some people might be wondering, why didn't I use an apple, you know, or maybe a pomegranate, you know? Well, one, because I don't think you wanted 11 points from pomegranate, right? (laughs) Also, I didn't use multiple fruits because it's not multiple fruits, is it? It's singular. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit. And some of that might just be coincidence, but I don't think it is because Paul says, now the works, works, plural of the flesh, and now he goes to a singular, the fruit of the Spirit. These aren't just different areas that we're trying to work on. They're all inclusive. They're holistic. It's an orange with the different pieces of the orange. The different pieces are patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, joy, love, but they're one inclusive fruit. You know, if I'm working out, if I'm a good runner, I, an athletic runner or an Olympic runner, I mean, they just don't work their legs. thing is, if you just work your legs, you're going to have issues other places. But if you want to be a, to, a top athlete, you have to work your core. You have to work other areas of your body. Because if you don't work those areas, then you're going to have some problems. It's holistic your diet, whatever it might be, you just can't work one area. Folks, this isn't spiritual gifts. This isn't, oh, you know what? I'm a servant, not a teacher. That's my spiritual gift, right? I'm good at serving others or encouraging others. Teaching really isn't my thing. I'm gonna, that's really the same for the fruit of the Spirit too. I'm really good at kindness, but self-control, not so much. You know, I'm, I'm good at joy, but love, not really. It doesn't work that way. They grow together. Now, we might have one that's less than the other at certain times, but if one is not there and another is there, it's not really the work of the Spirit. You know, it might be, in fact, just your disposition. You know, you might say, I'm a really patient person. Might just because that's how you are. You're a person that lets things just roll off your back. You just kind of are at ease. You're just kind of, by disposition, a patient person. But at the same time, you shy away from conflict, from confronting others. So you don't show the fruit of the Spirit of faithfulness. 
Well, maybe you're a faithful person. I'm faithful and I'm loyal. I'm one that sticks by people. I, I tell them where it's at. I, I'm a faithful and loyal person. But really, when it comes to kindness, not so much. When someone doesn't do what you want them to do, they're not that friend that you want them to be, the ability to give kindness to them is not there. You see, these all come together. This is one package. You know, our personalities can really mask the real work needed by the Spirit in our lives. We can rationalize ugly behaviors. Well, I'm good at faithfulness, so I fly off the handle sometimes. Just, that's just how it goes. You know, I, I don't get angry at people, but, you know, when it comes to self-control in certain areas of your life, you just don't have it. You know, if I just worked out my left calf... And that's it. That would really seem weird, wouldn't it? His left calf is huge. Why is he so anemic everywhere else? See, Christian self-improvement, Christian virtuous life, it looks different. See, God doesn't want just part of our lives, part of our virtues. He wants all of them. And for some of you, that's really scary because there's some ugly stuff. I just can't improve in this area. Patience, I just can't improve in this. You know what? That is the good news of the gospel in this Christian self-improvement life. The whole thing is the Spirit's work. Reliance on Him. The eye of the Kiwi is it's impossible to live the virtuous life without the Spirit. It's impossible to live the virtuous life without the Spirit. John Calvin says it so well. i got to say Calvin once in a while in a Presbyterian church, right? I get it once a year, maybe. The death of the life is the life of the Spirit. The death of the life is the life of the Spirit. You know, some of us are perplexed by people that we say, oh man, they look like they got it all together, whether it's pastors, whether it's leaders in their community, whatever it might be. They, people that have it all together, but then we find out something crazy happened in their life. They dealt with addiction, sexual morality, or whatever it might be. They dealt with these things, but they look like they had it all together. I feel for people in those situations because they weren't living by the power of the Spirit. They were living by a law. I've got to look this way. I've got to be this way. I've got to perform for others. And then when it really comes, they can't do it on their own. And then these other things seep out. See, we're not into law living. We're into spirit living. That we say, God, it is by the power of your Spirit that I'm able to then even fulfill some of the law. And we start to realize our limits and then God's power. (laughs) Sorry, I'm just going to go off a little bit here. I do feel like people that overperform, that look really, really good, are basing their life on their power and what they can do. And it will catch up to you. You know that? 
God didn't make you a person that's able to fulfill all these things. He said you can be content in me. Find your strength in me. And that means maybe limiting yourself in what you can do. If you're realizing that I'm working so hard, but I'm flying off the handle with my kids, maybe you need to realize that you're doing it out of your power instead of the Spirit's power. And you need to be content in who God has made you to be rather than who you think you can be for everyone else. Does that make sense? Interesting, if we start to look at these virtues, at this fruit more closely in the realm of spirit power rather than our own power, we can start to look at the full kind of depth of these virtues. And we can always say, are we really living them out? You know, when my dad has lots of fruit trees growing up. Apple trees, cherry trees, plum trees, all those things. But there's something about apples and picking apples that... They could look really good from the outside. You saw one view of it. And you pick the apple and your hand kind of mushed into it. Because the back end had been just cored out by something. Bees or a bug or something. And some of them, even when you bit into them, you realize how bitter they were. And the tree was just not good. You know, fruit can look good on the outside. But many times we can have counterfeit fruit. Let me unpack that. You're not going to be able to look at every single one of the virtues, okay? But I want to look at just a couple here. One, love. I think it's fitting that he picks love first. Paul, of course, spends lots of time that in 1 Corinthians 13, of course. And it kind of envelops all these other virtues. These virtues aren't exhaustive, of course. It says, such as such things there is no law. Such things meaning there could be more than just these virtues. But I think love encompasses what he's trying to get after. And the love here he's saying is, love is being able to care for someone, love, for, love someone, to do something for someone else, not just on base what they can give to you. It's this unconditional aspect. The opposite would be, you know, self-preservation, protectiveness, abuse, selfishness. Those are the kind of the opposites. But I think the counterfeits of love is I will love someone based on how they make me feel. And when that, I don't get that in return, then the love is Conditional. If any of you have been married, (laughs) or are married, you realize that when you get married, um, love starts to take on a more complex thing, and the counterfeit love gets exposed pretty quickly. That uh, you can't live in this mirage of love anymore. I just don't love my spouse when they give me something in return. Many times, there are seasons in their life that they just can't. But love is loving them even when I don't get something else in return. Really, that models the love of God for us. What can we give God? Nothing, but He loves us unconditionally. Kindness, right? Serving others, making yourself vulnerable. 
Being able to make yourself vulnerable and sacrificing for someone else. The opposite is envy of, you know, I, I don't want to do something nice for someone else because I'm jealous. I can't rejoice in what they do because I, I really wish I had what they had. But counterfeit kindness is doing good for someone else so you can congratulate yourself on what you've done. Oh, look at how I am kind and I am good. But true kindness is being able to give to someone else even when they don't understand what you're trying to do for them. (laughs) Even when it exposes yourself to them maybe hurting you. Kindness is sacrificing. Make yourself vulnerable, not for your own benefit. Again, you see how love is enveloped in that. How do I gain these? How do I gain these virtues? How do I make sure that it's not just counterfeit fruit? How do I do this? Well, the K is knowing the deeper law. The I is it's impossible without the Spirit. The W of the Kiwi is winnowing the branches. You like how I worked that in there? Winnowing, couldn't use cutting, had to use W. Winnowing the branches. Okay, yes. Okay. But here it says in verse 24. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Many times when uh, Paul in the New Testament is talking about crucifying and saying we are crucified with Christ, that it's a completed action in the past, that we have died with him and been raised with him. But that's not how it's being used here. Instead of crucified, it's being used to crucify not with Christ, but to crucify the flesh, to kill the flesh. And it's not just a completed action. It's an action that is ongoing. It's happened in the past and it's continuing in the present. It's a continuing action of crucifying the flesh. Fitting in fruit. That, uh, of course, Jesus says that we need to abide in him. Cut off the branches. That the idea is that we need to cut off the areas. That false fruit. Cut off those other areas. And then be connected to who God is abiding in him. Abiding in Christ. Abiding in the spirit. Winnowing away those things. I do like how Paul again uses indicatives and imperatives. Indicatives means what God has done. Imperatives is what we do. Those who belong to Christ Jesus is what our identity is in Christ. That's the indicative. And then the imperative is that crucifying the flesh. I've had an interesting two weeks. I don't usually hang around a lot of other pastors, but I have over the past two weeks. I got to hang out with some church planners. We had a great time. It was really, it's just a fun time to hang out, play volleyball, um, sing songs together, talk about, you know, the ups and downs of church planting. It was just really, for me, I thought it was a really joyful time. It was great. But then this week I got together with another church planter, and uh, this church planter is telling me he started six months ago and his church is at 350 people, just blowing up. And um, I, I realized the joy that I had about hanging around pastors wasn't there anymore. <laughs> you know, talk about winnowing and cutting away. What was my joy? Was it real or was it counterfeit? Counterfeit. 
See, joy is not something that just is there when things go well and blessing and then goes away when things aren't good. Joy is consistent whether we receive blessing or we don't. And you see, the winnowing that God is doing in me and what he did to me this week is he said, cut away the idea that joy comes when you have a church at this size. Joy comes when you can have success in your work. What does the scripture say? The joy of the Lord is my strength. That you can have joy no matter any circumstance if you find it in him. Cut away those things, I heard God say to me in my prayer life. Cut away those things. Dan, I'm going to put those pastors in your life so you realize where real joy comes from. And then abide in me. Because a church will ebb and flow, up and down. But my love for you will never change. Winnowing the flesh, abiding in Christ. You know, the way that you can do that is very objective means. People ask me, what are the concretes? Well, the objective means are realizing the biblical truth. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Prayer, God, tell me the truth. Fellowship, that I go to my community group or you go to your community group and people tell you when you are not living in that truth that they can say, cut away those things. Abide in Christ. It is worship where we can sing songs of who, what God is and what He's done for us. When I think about the Lord, you know, we can sing that and say what He has done for us. He's put His Spirit in us. The Holy Ghost. That is the truth. So there are those objective means. And then there are things, what I call the subjective means of cutting away and of abiding. And the subjective means are a little bit trickier. We don't always talk about them in church. But it's opening up ourselves to change. Our thinking, where is it? Listening to God. Questioning oneself and what we're doing. Sharing our heart and where we're at. We need the objective means and the subjective means to see where we are at. If we are really winning away the flesh, crucifying the flesh, and then abiding in Christ. Kiwi, knowing the deeper law, impossible without the spirit, winnowing away the flesh. I really like Sinclair Ferguson. He makes a great point about this winning away the flesh. He says this. You know, Christ did this for us. He said, I'm going to make myself. I'm going to make them like myself. Meaning, I want these people that I go to on the earth. I want to make them like myself and I will work so hard to make them like myself even if it kills me. Right? And Jesus said, I will die for them so that they can be unified with me and in their unification with me they can fulfill what they can't do on their own. Now there's a difference with the spirit and I really like this point that Ferguson says The Spirit says to us, 
I'll make them like Jesus, even if it kills them. I'll make them like Jesus, even if it kills them. That's bold, Dan. I want you to know something. When we meet our Father in heaven, that stuff of the flesh, I'm not talking about the body. Okay, I think we're going to have a physical body in heaven. But those things of the flesh that are listed in the vices, they are going to be killed. They are going to be cut off. They are going to be gone. But on earth, he is working through that process with us to kill away and to crucify those things. I'll make them like Jesus, even if it kills them. That's what's so great about fruit, right? Fruit takes time to develop. I don't sit there and go, okay, apple, do it right now. I have to wait on that. It's a process. And the thing is, when the Spirit is in our lives, God is working a process in us to kill off the flesh. Oh, you think you're loving? Try this coworker on. You think you're patient? Try kid number three. You think you're kind? I'm going to have this person come to your church. You think you got joy? I'm going to give you an ailment in your life. You think you have self-control? I'll give something you think you can't live without. And then I'll take it away. No, God does that for us. He brings that stuff to us to kill the flesh and to realize the power comes from him and that we have a freedom to something, something greater. There's something else about trees and growth. Especially if you see it in Appleton, these big trees that grow in Appleton. And then you walk on the sidewalk and you realize the roots in these trees just push those sidewalks up, don't they? They are powerful. That they can move stone. They can move concrete. And that is the spirit, isn't it? If we are led, we walk. We live by the spirit as it says all here in Galatians 5. It has the power to uproot some mighty things in our lives. And to change us. And to transform us. You thought I was joking, didn't, I? didn't you? That I was going to make you come up front and share how you're doing in your values. I'm not joking. You are going to come up front. And you are going to share with everyone here what your value is. Who you are. You're going to come up in front of all of these people and say, my value is in Him. My value is in Christ. This is the fruit of the vine that I need. This is the sustenance I need. I said, I beat this drum over and over again. Stop. Just stop trying to prove yourself to people. Because many of you people are living by that, oh, I've got to show myself 
This is who I am. This is my value. This is my work. No, God says, this is your work. My work for you on the cross. That is your value. And I am working in you. This isn't just memorial. This is spiritual work I'm giving you. This is spiritual nourishment I'm giving you. I am working in you. Spiritually to change you. To transform you. To mold you. I am crucifying that flesh. So you can be freed to something greater. So come forward. Come forward if you say, I need that. I need that to be my value. I need Christ to be who I am. I understand some of you might not be there. So you might say, well, I don't know about that. I think I can kind of do it myself. You know, there's really other ways too. I just don't need Christ. No, this is a table for people to say Christ and Christ alone is what justifies us. If you're not receiving, if you're still processing these thoughts, there's some prayers right here I encourage you to, to go over and read and to work through. And please, you can talk to me or any of the, the guys that are up here, some great ladies in the women's group you can talk to too. I encourage you, process these things with them. Now there is red wine on the outside. There is white grape juice in the middle. There's gluten-free wafers right here you can grab too. If you're not taking communion as children, we'd like to pray over you. Someone wants to go get the kids, they can. Let's prepare ourselves here. We'll take the elements then and then you go back to your seats too. And then we'll all partake together. Let's prepare our hearts, shall we? The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord. By his death and death, resurrection, and ascension, our Lord Jesus Christ established an eternal covenant of grace and reconciliation that we might be accepted of God and never be forsaken by him. At this table, we come to this same Christ who has promised to be with us always, even to the end of the world. In the breaking of the bread, he makes himself known to us as the true heavenly bread that strengthened us, into inter- uh, us unto life eternal. In the cup of blessing, he comes to us in the vi- as the vine in whom we must abide if we are to bear fruit. We come to this table believing that this bread and cup are a pledge and a foretaste of the feast to come and eagerly look forward to that day when we will see Christ's glory fully revealed. Amen. Well, those are helping me serve. If they come forward now, that'd be great.